It's a beautiful thing. Just wanted to get us a visual of what we're talking about as we've been preaching what God's asked us to talk about in the tabernacle and the sacrificial system over the last couple of weeks. And what God wants to say to us today through that entire thing and the fullness of what Christ has done for us. So I want you to know ahead of time, before we do anything else that we do today, all glory to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, that you and I have access to the Father only because of Him. We've been singing praises to God and He is a part of it. He's amazing. And I'm so grateful to be here with you, to share in this incredible good news, and to hear what God has to say to us again through his amazing word. Read you the scriptures a couple weeks back in Hebrews 9, maybe it was last week. Let's just listen again. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, sacred loaves of bread on the table, and this room is called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar of containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. You saw a little glimpse of that. I'm a visual learner. I like seeing that stuff. You see the gold um, thing with the manna was to remember God had provided for them. The staff of Aaron, God had said, I have chosen Aaron's line to be the high priest forever. Those guys thought they could do it instead. God said, I'll tell you what, bring your staffs forward. The one that sprouts will be the one. And so Aaron's rod was taken and it was placed inside the ark. And then the covenant, the Ten Commandments that God had given in the law, were written on the tables of stone by his own finger and placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. That's what we're looking at. Above the Ark were the cherubim, divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the Ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect and only until a better system could be established. So before I read the next part, here's what's going on here. God's word is telling us that when people did the sacrificial system that he ordered in the Old Testament and they came to, to the worship time and they came and brought those sacrifices, what they did is they came and did their duty and left the same. Still felt the same. Nothing had changed about them. They were acting in obedience to what God said. But you see, as we're looking at that, nothing changed in who they were. They were simply following God's laws in their own flesh and ability. So they came over and over and over again. I want you to know there's no reason for you to come to church and leave the same. And you better not. 
All right? That's not what this is all about. We're no longer worshiping at the tabernacle. We're in the presence of the living God. And we're going to learn about that right now and what that means for you and I in this moment. For that old system, going back to the scripture to read to you, deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Amen. Isn't that awesome? God's word is incredible, man. And as we look at this and what God wants to say to us, the sacrificial system is the sacrifice of life for life. God has a law, and that is his law, a life for a life. And the sacrifice of a life for a life began when sin entered the world. When sin entered the world, everything changed, and humanity brought sin into the world and change the relationship and the covenant and everything that we had with God. So when Adam and Eve disobeyed, they disobeyed God's ways, which is disobedience rather than what we always talk about, obedience, right? Disobedience is sin. When you don't do what God says, you do what you want. That's sin. All right? And that's where it was all born. We're going to read in Genesis 3, in the very beginning of where sacrifice came from and why it came and what this means to you and I today. This is Genesis 3. The, de the devil's already been tempting uh, Eve in the garden with desiring for her to do what God said not to do. Now listen to this little conversation and see what we pick up out of this. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. I'm just going to pause for a minute before we read any further and think about the sequence of events that we just heard. So she first off engaged in a conversation that she already knew was contrary to what God said. The thing that took place after she engaged in that conversation that she already knew was contrary to what God said, she saw something that looked good to her. So look how self is taking over right here. So she sees something as she processes and thinks, I, I want that doesn't matter what God said. We've already taken a step into a conversation about something outside of what God says. That conversation is taking place. Now I want something for me. It looked beautiful, looked like I would like it if I took it. And listen to this. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. Everything we're talking about here is, is self. Self. She took a step away from God and her identity and who she was in God and began to see self. And she put self in front of God. We keep reading now. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Pausing for a second to talk about this guy here. If you remember the creation account, God created Adam in his likeness and image. He created Eve from Adam, and he gave Adam 
leadership and guidance over everything else, including Eve. Just hear it. This is not a male chauvinistic thing. Listen to what God did. Now watch what took place. Instead of leading and being in front of her, he's behind her. The whole conversation is taking place and he follows her lead and receives from her. Hmm. Didn't take his place. Didn't protect his wife. Didn't step in front. Stop the engaged conversation. But instead, he surrendered his leadership, his position, his call, and simply followed. And when he followed, the fall came. It came with her, but it came with him. A lot of people want to blame Eve and give her a kick, you know, in the butt or whatever. You know what? It's like, dude, he didn't have to do that. They followed together. And as we look at this thing, he received from her and he ate it too. Two disobedient acts, one individual, one individual, taking willingly, knowing they were outside of what God said, taking self into control, making decisions outside of God's boundaries, their sin. Here you go. Here's the consequence. At that very moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And you know the account, what happens here. All of a sudden, sin enters. The wisdom they thought they were gaining was brokenness and death. Internal chaos, confusion, and absence of life. For God had said, the day that you do this, you will die. And they died within because they lost their identity in God. Now, as we consider this, God shows up on the scene like he always And as God's engaging them in conversation in verses 8 through 20, you read how God deliberately speaks directly to them. He lays out the consequences of their self-choices and their disobedience with Him. And He climaxes that whole thing by killing an animal. In verse 21, it tells us the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So right here in the very beginning, right there with the consequence of sin, we see what God himself did. He took the life of an innocent animal to pay the price for disobedience. It cost a life to cover the brokenness of the rejection of life. So God did this. God established the sacrificial system knowing and saying that sin brings death, therefore death has to pay the consequence for life, and therefore I will now take a life to show you what you've done. Now listen to what happens here. Church, God gives them the garment to cover their shame. So when they're wearing this leather outfit of the animal, And they see one another. What they are seeing is a life that has been taken to hide the shame within. And so when they look on the outer context, what you see is death. Where once there was life. So there's evidence that a sacrifice had to be made to cover their shame. 
It did not remove it. So it covered their shame. Their own attempts at covering their shame didn't work because it never will when we try and fix ourselves before God or do it our way. God's like, that's not it. This is how it has to happen. A life has to be given. So let's see what God says as we're navigating through into the book of Leviticus where God is giving the sacrificial system directives. In Leviticus 17.10, this is what he says, if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. Church, as we look into the word of God, he's clearly telling us it is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. He's saying there is a life that has to be given in order to have any kind of a hope of a relationship with God. Now as we look forward and we see into the moment on the cross where Jesus is there hanging, in Mark 15, at noon darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakhtani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought that he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with a sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes and takes him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It wasn't from the bottom to top where man did anything to get an access to the Father, but it was God ripping it from top to bottom. Now, I love the visuals of that video we showed, but there's a couple of grave errors that they made in that video, and you need to be aware of it because you see when that high priest went into the Holy of Holies, there's not a seam in that curtain. It was a solid curtain, and he had to go around it to get into the presence of God. The only time there was an opening in the middle was when God himself ripped it apart. When Jesus gave his life for us, the second problem that they did was they had the priest go in there and touch the Ark of the Covenant. He took that blood and he touched it. He'd have been dead. God ordered you don't touch that thing. I don't care who you are. You know why? Because that's how holy God is. And he said, I am there. And you do not come into my presence without blood. And then you sprinkle that blood on that thing. If anybody touches it, they die. And it's biblically recorded that Uzzah did touch the altar at one time and died immediately when David was bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he wasn't following God's directives, thinking he'd do it his way, cost Uzzah his life. That's another day and another story, and don't get lost there. I'm just telling you, you cannot touch the ark of the covenant. That's a messed up thing. I can't stand when people do that stuff. Look, God's word is clear. It's right there in front of us. I don't know why they did that. It's like, come on, dude. You got the Bible. You did the whole thing according to what he said. And then you go, I'm going to touch that thing. Like, what? I don't know, man. It's crazy. But anyway, 
We do some dumb things, man. God ripped that curtain from the top to the bottom, and he's like opening the door. The sacrificial system that was in place prior to Christ that we read about in Hebrews 9, in verse 9, this is what it said to us. Remember this, church, because this is critical about us being here right now in this service and in our life, life with God. The gifts and the sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. So that's what I'm saying. Like they just came and went, came and went, came and went. But they lived in the guilt of their brokenness. They lived in the death that sin brought on them. They were trying to meet God's standards, but they still lived in the brokenness of self. There was no sacrifice that they could have ever brought that would clear the conscience of our sin. God's word clearly outlines it to us. So in other words, there's only one that can. <laughs> and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not just a continual offering. It's not one that is given so that we can come and go and stay the same. But the fact of the matter is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was given so that you and I no longer had to live in the consequences of our sin and our brokenness that we lived in, but that we could be transformed and changed and our conscience should be made clear. And I no longer live in the shame of that past life, but that Jesus Christ came to give me the opportunity for a relationship with God in restoration. That I am no longer that person. I'm no longer living that way. And I'm no longer continually coming for the same problem that I continually go out and do again. If you're doing that, you're not meeting where Jesus is. Because Jesus Christ and his sacrificial giving is a transforming life giving removing of shame and consequence and bringing us into the fullness of life that God intended when he breathed into us the first time. Church, it is amazing what Christ has done for us. The conscience in Christ is clear. No more shame. Doesn't mean you don't remember what you've done. That's not what he didn't say. He's going to remove your memory. No, he says he's going to remove the consequences and therefore the shame is all gone. And I live in the perfection of God's plan and his word over me. I am now identified in Christ and no longer in self. Amen. Man, it's amazing. I'm just like, wow, God, you are so incredibly amazing. So here's the opening of the Holy of Holies. That very place, that presence of God himself and this sacrifice of Jesus Christ provided open access to God's presence for everyone. Church, we, um, the church itself, like I said, I mean, just from that simple video, but there's tons of it happening everywhere where we in the church are still like uh, not modeling the openness of God the way we need to. So there are some faiths, and I'm not just speaking of Catholics, so don't just like get your Catholic defenses up. Just stay with me, all right? So there are some faiths that are still trying to promote the idea that the people need to come through the pastor, priest, clergy to come into the presence of God, or there's still an understanding in the body of the church that somehow I'm closer to God than you are. And the fact of the matter is, when Jesus did this, 
he removed this office from any individual and took the ultimate office as our high priest for everyone. And he opened the door and said, you no longer have to go through anyone. I'm available. God himself said, I'm available through Jesus Christ. So yeah, he's amazing. But don't screw it up. Understand this. You can still only come into the presence of God through blood. Period. It's still the same law. The difference is now the blood of the sacrifice is the blood of Christ. And therefore, you and I have open access to God, but only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not anybody can just go wandering into the presence of God. You can come in only through the blood of Christ. I have come into a habitual habit, which is good and reverent to God, that when I pray, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't come to you in Dave. I'm not coming to you because, hey, man, the door's wide open. Hey, God, it's me. I reverently speak to him. I'm not telling you have to follow those words. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm trying to say is that I came to a place in my life where I'm like, oh God, I want to constantly remember and be reminding myself that I am allowed in your presence because of Christ. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am in your presence right now. I'm worshiping you. I'm singing to you. I'm spending time with you. I'm reading the word with you. I know that I cannot come to you if it wasn't for Jesus. Man, it's like incredible church. And so I'm looking, I'm like, man, we still have to come through the blood. So a lot of people are just thinking like they can just come to God any old way they want to. Nope, there is no other way. God's word is clear. The one and only sacrifice that was acceptable was the life of Jesus Christ himself. And so a lot of people are like offended at the fact that we would say in the Christian community, there's only one way. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't care if you're comfortable. God's God. And he said, this is the way. No one's coming before me except through the sacrifice that I gave. He gave that sacrifice. Try any other way you want to. You're not coming into the presence of the living holy God. The only way we're ever coming into his presence is through the blood of Christ. And he made it abundantly clear through the whole sacrificial system that he's pretty holy and we're not. And the only way we ever can be is by an act of God himself. Yeah, so just let that sink in and like, ooh, it changes our worship heart, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, sing it out, man. Who cares what anybody thinks? Do you realize what God's done for you? Man, sing it out. I don't care who you squawk or squeak next to and whatever they want. They can sit in another seat. Man, like why aren't we getting all loud and crazy for God? For what he's done for us? The fact that we have access to him? <sighs> man, anyway, I won't get off on that, but let's just see what God's doing. What, hey, I will throw this in there. Somebody was talking to me about this last week, and they were like, why is the services so loud, the music and all that? I'm like, first off, I like loud music. Not that it's about me. But one thing I've discovered, no, I want you to hear this. It's really important. One thing I've discovered, when it's loud enough that I can't hear you or me, I'm way more free to let it go. Yeah, so let it go. I can't hear you anyway. I can hear the whole of the volume, but I don't hear you individually. So keep the volume up and yell out, man. Be free. Worship God. Side note, that was just a commercial. Let's move on. So God himself has provided this open access to his holy place. 
Now, when we're looking at that, you know, take that visual in for a minute that we were just showing you on the screen at the beginning, if you can remember that back far enough. Um, you know how it said there was the outer courtyard and there was like all those curtains that were up in a fence around the tabernacle even itself? And none of y'all were even outside that curtain. We're not even talking about being in there by the altar or by the water or anything. You're outside, the, outside that outer curtain. Couldn't even step inside. He's a holy guy. He's amazing. So listen, he is the same God. Remember that. He is the same God. He's the God before creation ever happened. He's the same God in and through creation. He's the same God through the Old Testament. He's the same God in the New Testament, the New Covenant. He's the same God that has all the plans of the future that we're still batting our heads on the wall trying to figure out. He's the same God and he's got it all figured out for us. Just chill out and let him do it. Okay, he's the same God that has eternity in view and knows his plans for you and I in the afterlife that is beyond what we even comprehend. He's that God and he is the same and he is holy. And so understand this, sin requires blood to be shed. For life is in the blood and God requires a life for a life. Therefore, it's either your blood or Christ's blood. It's your choice. Can't be any more plain than that. 2 Corinthians 5. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Isn't that cool? You see, it was, an, it was a work of God. We couldn't get there. We had no ability. We had an ability to screw it up, but we had no ability to fix it. And so it was God doing a work for you and I to give access to him through Christ Jesus. Reading that scripture further, it says, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Okay, so... When I read this, it's like, again, one of the most neglected parts of our Christian community in the last several decades of the church of Jesus Christ. For some crazy reason, pastors, clergy, whatever you want to call people that stand up in their services and talk on Sundays, Saturdays, whenever they do it, we've somehow made it about us and like we're doing the ministry and you're there to check in on Sundays to tell God you still love him. And he's telling us right here in the word of God that you know that we've been called by God to reconcile the world to him. So we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are all called not to hire a um, spiritual assassin to do it for us, but we're called by God to give the message to the world that God is trying to reconciling reconcile them to himself and that Jesus is the one that can do it for them. And the church is silent. I won't say silent. How about if I just say there's a whisper because some people are doing it, but it's rare that people are reconciling people to God. Let's continue reading what it says. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. 
and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. <laughs> for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Oh, man, if, if, I hope that just like hits you like it does me. I'm like, wow, God, you are so amazing. You see, I'm not putting on Christ on the outward, but Christ is on the inward. And that's how the shame and all that messed up conscience and all that garbage that came from sin is being removed because Christ is inside. It's not an outing, outward show. It's an inward reality. And I want the people in the world to know that, man, there is a transformation available to you through Jesus Christ that will absolutely change you. It will bring you from death to life. You will have no shame of what you were or what you've done, that God himself will reconcile you and make you new and remove that stuff from you. Church, God is good, man. So we are made right only by the sacrifice of the innocent. One and only Savior, Jesus Christ. The sinless sacrifice who lived in the flesh like you and I, overcame through the power of the Spirit all the enemy's temptations and was offered as the sinless sacrifice so that you and I could obtain this incredible life that God planned for us. Now, because of Jesus Christ, we can have the breath of God restored in us, which is the Holy Spirit, and we can have relationship with God that is not a religious custom, but it's a reality. It's amazing. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Look, you're not hiding nothing from God. You may think that you can hide certain things, that you think you got stuff going on, and people may be ignorant about what you're doing. God's not. He sees through it all. Church, it's right there in front of us, and he's like, you're not hiding nothing from me. I see everything, and you're going to be accountable to me. But listen to what it says as we go on. So then... Since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Like boldly right into the Holy of Holies. There we will receive this mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Isn't he amazing? Like God has just like opened that door. He's given us free access. We have one high priest. We no longer need a priest to intercede for us. Church, I'm telling you, we still have this idea in the Christian community that we need to come through someone. We don't. God has freely offered himself to us. The only one we come through is the one and only high priest to sacrifice himself, Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we won't need to pray together. Of course, we can pray together. But any priest, any clergy, anybody like that, they're not getting you into the presence of God. You can go there because of Jesus. Take advantage of it. God's word says boldly go. Man. It's crazy. That doesn't mean I don't want to pray with you. Okay, don't misunderstand me. Some people were asking me a little bit after the first service. I'm like, oh. like, hear me right. 
I'm talking to Christian people right here. And I want you to know, Christian, you have access to the Father the same as me. I don't have a special connection with him. I don't have a more open line. My emails don't go to the top of the list. I mean, he's like available. Now to the sinner, look, this is where you and I step in. To those that don't know Christ, remember, we are called by God to be his ambassadors. Therefore, we are there representing him to them, bringing them to God, letting them know, you know what? I have access to the Father, but you need to come to the Father. And the way you come to the Father is through Jesus Christ. All right, you follow that? So to the world, the sinner, the ones that don't know Christ, yep, we are bringing them into God's presence by bringing them in through Christ. But you and I as Christians, you don't need me. <laughs> you need God, and you need it through Jesus Christ, and it's available. Come on. Step in, man. It's amazing. So here's what it is. We've got access. This is cool. So through Jesus Christ, to be saved and have our shame removed and a clear conscience. We have that access right now. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you must. I'm not saying like you should or may. No, you must. You will not have a relationship with God. You will not live away from your broken conscience and your broken sinfulness. You will not change the way you live. And you will have no identity except the one the world gives you until you come to God the Father through Jesus Christ. We are here to help you with that. Again, I say, you can come to this altar right here and receive Christ yourself. I'm not going to give them to you. I'm going to help you know that you have access to God through Jesus Christ, and you can receive that from him. Happy to do that. I'll be that ambassador for him today. If you do know Christ as your Savior, I want you to know you have access through Christ to obtain mercy in the time of our need. And therefore, we can boldly come into the Holy of Holies. And, and so, church, you know, um, when we invite you to the altar, I want to be clear about some things. Like when we talk about this being an altar, when we look at that tabernacle picture and the altar was out there, it's where the sacrifice was made. The terminology we use is saying like it's through the sacrifice we come to the Father. And so this is not like a holy place. And I'm saying this is where you come to meet God. We're using that visual idea to put forth to us and say, you know what, we should step into the presence of God physically in our heads so that we understand that I'm coming to God through Christ at that altar and understanding there's that relationship. You can do that anywhere. No doubt about that. But when we're in the church and we're talking about this, I want you to understand the terminology and why I say, come to the altar. Come here. Come to the place where the sacrifice is made where God himself has made it right for us. Like, get that in your head and understand it's through the blood of Christ we do it. So that's the invitation to the altar. Whatever you're facing, mercy's available. God's available. He has given us that access. Take advantage, and we need to praise him for it. The last thing I have as an action step is we have access to praise the one and only God the one and only Savior, the one and only Holy Spirit. We have access to do that ourselves. I hope you understand today that as you are singing songs of praise and worship to God, that he was present, that he is attentive, and that he is receiving that from you.
He's not receiving it as a whole. He is, but I want you to understand this from CFF. He's not waiting for a number to be able to come in and receive our praise. He is receiving that personally from you. And that's why I said, why are we holding back? Why don't we just like let it go, man? I mean, he's receiving it and he hears it in perfection from our heart, not in the perfection of our tone. So make it happen, man. Take access. I mean, use the access that's been given to worship our God. I often find myself looking up in worship and in the whole history behind that for me um, that I don't want to get into and you don't want me to. Um, I mean, not at this moment anyway, uh, because I was raised in a church that you don't raise your hand, you don't like get loud, you don't clap, you don't do any of that in church. You can say amen, you can say hallelujah, but hallelujah is a little bit iffy. And praise the Lord, we know that you are on the Pentecostal side of things and you should find another church, you know what I mean? That's where I was raised. So in my own walk with God, when he redeemed me and breathed life into me, this once introverted kid was like, ooh, busting inside with this because I wasn't introverted. And all this was inside of me desiring to come out. And everybody's really like, we were at a funeral every Sunday. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to celebrate. You know, and I'm like trying to keep it together and not do it. And then I knew if I raised my hand, everybody would be like, uh-oh, he's over. You know? <laughs> so I like wrestled with all that stuff. And not only that, but if you raise your hand, people are going to look at you. You know? I don't look at you just so you know. That's why I sit in the front. Uh, doesn't matter. And so I, I'm telling you anyway, I guess. So we got time. I looked. And so here we are. I literally was in a Promise Keepers event for men, which I absolutely loved. And God used to transform my life in so many ways that I was in um, the Indianapolis Dome over there. We drove over with a group of guys and uh, we were singing, <laughs> holy, holy, holy. And uh, as I looked up to the ceiling in that uh, dome stadium with like 70 some thousand guys that were singing that incredible song acapella and it was just like ripping through that place like amazing and there was everything inside of me was like oh, I'm in the presence of God man and there was this thing inside of me saying just raise your hand and surrender Dave don't worry about anybody else just come to God and I did and I'm telling you, like, when my hands went up, the Spirit of God just fell in me, and I think it just, like, it's receiving that, you know, like, like a funnel. <laughs> like, right down through my, this open funnel, right into my heart, and it was like, whew, I'm in the presence of God. No, it wasn't that God wasn't more present when my hands were down. It was obedience understanding that I was in the presence of the creator of the universe and he says boldly come to me and I'm like I see you I know who you are and wow I am amazed that you would ever allow me in your presence God I know it's through Jesus man and so I'm telling you like whatever it is man whatever whatever Jesus is the answer he is the only way and we need to jump at it. Whatever's going on in your life. So let's stand together so I don't tell you another story. Let's do what God's saying, man. Come on, I mean, seriously, let's do what God is saying. Holy Spirit, move. As Jesus said you would. Lord, you already are moving. Help us to respond.
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sinless, spotless sacrifice, the opportunity to come into the presence of the Holy God. Help us to take advantage of that, God. Thank you, Father. <sighs> the altar's open. Boldly enter. Whatever the issue, whatever the need, salvation, maybe a time of a needed mercy, something you need to just come and be with God, it's open. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being here with you, to hear from you, to see your word, to experience the reality of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the open access. We want to take advantage of it at every opportunity we have, and we want to give you glory in the process. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you all for being in his service today and worshiping him. He loves you. May you be his church and his ambassador as you go out today. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus.